Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. A Time to Heal by Hera Girl on AO3. Rating Teen and Up. Chapter 17. The first thing he was aware of was the smell. That musty smell of wet ground and jungle, vegetation mixed with the smell of smoke burning oil and gasoline, gunpowder, a smell that seeped through his nose and mouth, through the very pore of his skin, and burned into his brain. He was walking through the Vietnam jungle, moving slowly, carefully. His eyes traveled up and down, side to side, ever alert for the presence of the enemy. He was alone and could not remember why or how he came to be separated from his men. He wasn't sure exactly where he was going. All he knew was that he had to keep moving. He continued to walk, pushing aside brush and vines as he trudged up a slope. As he came over its crest and looked down into the clearing beneath, he halted and drew in his breath sharply at a sight so gruesome it nearly brought him to his knees with nausea. Stretched out before him were his men, all of them, dead. Some were whole, some dismembered, and arms, legs, heads, and torsos were scattered across the clearing. Breathing heavily, he moved slowly down and began to pick his way through the mass of dead human flesh. How had this happened? When? Why? And why was he still alive when his men were dead? It's your fault, you know, a familiar voice said behind him. Skinner turned to see Fox Mulder standing behind him. Mulder looked strange, his skin pale, and his wounds on his face clearly evident. His eyes were the only thing that seemed alive as they blazed with anger and accusation. What do you mean my fault, Skinner said, his voice shaking with emotion. Your fault they're dead, Mulder replied. Look around you. Every one of these people owes their death to you in one form or another. All you see are your men. Take a closer look. Skinner obeyed and saw that Mulder was right. It wasn't just his men, his soldiers lying there. There were the figures of the enemy, men, women, and even a few children. As he looked through the mass of bodies, there were still others. Some he recognized, some he did not. Sickened at the sight, he turned back to face Mulder. You're wrong, he intoned. I didn't kill all of these people. Oh, but you did, Mulder replied. There are some that you killed directly, with your own guns and bombs. With others, like that family over there. Mulder gestured at the bodies of an elderly couple, a young woman and two young children. You gave the orders that caused their deaths. No, Skinner shook his head in denial. And there are others, cases that you failed to solve, Criminals you failed to capture, Mulder continued. And then, and then there's me. Mulder, I, you're the reason I'm dead, Mulder continued, his voice rising, harsh with bitterness and anger. You left me behind, left me to die. No, Mulder, I looked for you, Skinner cried, his voice breaking. You disappeared. I looked. I, I called for you, but you were nowhere to be found. And then I searched. We searched. Scully and I, for months, trying to find you. 
You lost me, Mulder continued, practically spitting the words out. You abandoned me. You are the reason that Scully is alone. You are the reason my child will never know me. You are the reason I'm dead. No. Skinner dropped to his knees and shut his eyes, brought to the ground by the weight of the accusations and his own sense of guilt. You are. You killed all of these people, and you killed me. Mulder pressed on relentlessly. You are a killer, Walter Skinner. A killer. No, Skinner murmured, as he buried his face in his hands. Then he dropped his hands, raised his head, and looked to the sky as one word burst forth in a long, anguished cry. No. No, the cry echoed through the room, awakening Skinner from sleep. He was sitting bolt upright in bed, drenched with sweat, his throat aching and raw. He fought for breath as he realized that the crying voice that had awakened him had been his own. Oh my God, Walter, what is it? What's wrong? It took Skinner a few moments before he could answer, shaken as he was from the effects of the dream. When he had finally caught his breath, he replied, Nothing. He felt Rhea's move beside him, and a moment later the room was illuminated by the soft light of the bedside lamp. He turned to face him, and he could see the concern in her eyes that deepened to complete worry as she took in his heavy, panting chest, his sweat-soaked body, and his anguished expression. Walter, don't tell me it's nothing, she insisted. You look like hell and that scream of yours. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wake you, Skinner began, hoping to divert her. That's not the point, Walter, Reyes continued. Something is wrong. It was just a bad dream, a nightmare, that's all, Skinner said finally, hoping by his tone to convey the message that he didn't want to talk about it. He swung his legs over the side of the bed and stood up, reaching for the terry cloth robe that lay at the foot of the bed. Slipping it on, he walked into the bathroom and turned on the water. Grabbing a washcloth and soaking in the cool water, he quickly washed the sweat from his chest, neck, and face, splashing still more cold water on his face. He then went back into the bedroom and was surprised to see that the bed was empty. Monica, he called softly. When he received no answer, he noticed that a light was on in the living room. He wandered out of the bedroom and padded down the hallway to the spacious living room. He saw Reyes standing at the bar area, her back to him. Monica, he called again. Reyes turned, and he saw that she had a brandy sniffer in her hand, a small amount of amber fluid in the glass. Here, she said, as she held out the sniffer. I think you need this. Skinner took the glass from Reyes, and she turned to pick up another glass, also partially full, from the bar. She moved gracefully to the couch and seated herself pulling her legs up underneath her. Skinner joined her on the couch, sitting at the opposite end, and he took a sip of the brandy, savoring the sensation as it burned its way down his throat, the warmth claiming the tense beating of his heart. Thanks, Monica, he told her, as he raised the glass to his lips and took another sip. You're right, this is what I needed. Reyes lifted her glass to her lips and sipped her brandy thoughtfully. I think you need more than a brandy, Walter, she said slowly. I told you I'm fine, Skinner insisted, beginning to feel a slight irritation growing. I don't buy that, Reyes replied. That was no ordinary nightmare you had tonight. Judging from your reaction, your scream, the look on your face, 
it's clear that it was no ordinary dream. Look, Monica, everyone has nightmares from time to time. Skinner tried to explain patiently. It's not unusual. Not unusual to have a dream that makes you terrified, Reyes pushed, the expression on her face skeptical. You had a nightmare last night, and if I'm not mistaken, you had one in the car yesterday when we were driving back into town, didn't you? Skinner was silent, torn between wanting to tell her she was wrong and his conscience, which kept him from telling an out-and-out lie. Instead, he looked at her pleadingly, hoping that through his eyes he would convey the message to her to let it go. However, Reyes had no intention of dropping the subject. She took his silence for assent and pressed her point. Walter, if you just talk about what's wrong, maybe I could help, she offered. Skinner clenched his teeth, his irritation rising, and began to cross the threshold into anger. I told you it was nothing, Monica, he said tightly, trying to keep his voice under control. Walter, don't tell me that. I know there's something wrong, Reyes insisted. Please, let me help. Then something inside Skinner snapped, impelled by a force he could not control. He leaped from the couch and turned to face her. Monica, I said there's nothing wrong, he shouted, fury in his face and his voice. God damn it, let it go. Ray's eyes met his, her concern changing to worry. Walter, I... I said, let it go. Skinner shouted back at her, and then, driven by anger and frustration, he drew back his arm and hurled the empty brandy glass across the room, where it hit the wall and shattered into several tiny pieces. He saw Reyes flinch at the sound of the glass hitting the wall and breaking, saw the worry on her face change to a mixture of fear and anger as she stood up to face him, her voice shaking. Let it go, she repeated, practically spitting the words at him. Sure, I'll let it go. I'll let the whole damn thing go. And with those words, she turned and strode back down the hall and back to the bedroom. Skinner followed her into the bedroom to see her throwing off the robe and pulling on her clothes. Bra and panties first. Monica, what are you doing, he asked. What does it look like I'm doing, Reyes replied, as she stepped into her jeans and pulled them up. You want me to let it go, right? Monica, that doesn't mean you have to leave. Oh, yes, it does, Reyes continued, as she reached for her t-shirt and pulled it over her head. I can't stay here and watch you continue to lie to yourself, and I sure as hell am not going to take you lying to me. I'm not lying, Skinner protested. The hell you're not. Reyes shot back, her voice filled with anger. There's something wrong, Walter. Only you don't want to admit it. Whatever it is, it's eating you up inside. Well, I'm sorry. I don't want to watch that happen. So I'm doing exactly what you want me to do. I'm letting it go. As she talked, Reyes gathered her things and stuffed them into her oversized bag. And then she made her way back into the living room. It began to sink into Skinner that she was leaving. She was actually leaving. He quickly followed her out to the living room and caught up with her at the door. As she reached for the knob, he quickly grabbed her by the shoulders and spun her around to face him. Monica, please listen to me. She stood in his grasp, looking up at him. The fury and anger still there in her eyes, but also there was sorrow and pity. Looking down at her, Skinner knew how much he wanted her to stay, how much he needed her right now. Monica, please, 
Don't go. It was only a few seconds that passed, but to Skinner it seemed like hours as Reyes stood toe-to-toe with him, his arms grasping her shoulders tightly, as he thought desperately to himself, Please understand, Monica. Please know what it cost me to say that. Reyes looked up at him and raised her hand to gently touch his cheek, a sad little smile on her face. Walter, I don't want to go, she said softly. But how can I stay when it's evident that you don't trust me? What do you mean, I don't trust you? Skinner demanded, her words shocking him. When have I said I don't trust you? It's not what you say, Walter. It's what you're not saying, Reyes continued. Something is obviously wrong with you, but you won't talk to me about it. That tells me you don't trust me. As Skinner regarded the young woman in his grasp, looking up at him so earnestly, he saw the hurt and sadness that was lying behind the anger. Monica, it's not a question of trust. Then what is it? Reyes asked gently. If it's not a question of trust, why can't you tell me what's wrong? Skinner released her shoulders and reached up to cover her hand, which was still resting on his cheek with his own. As he looked into her eyes, he struggled with himself. The wish, the desire, the need to share with her the thoughts that had been tormenting him, wrestling with the conditioning that commanded he keep these thoughts and emotion bottled up inside, hidden from anyone's view. Then he squeezed her hand as he removed it from his cheek. Silently, he turned from Reyes and moved back to the bar area. Reyes stood, equally silent, and watched as he poured himself another brandy. And then he made his way to the couch. He sat down slowly, heavily, as if in an instant the years had caught up with him. Then he looked up at Reyes and wordlessly held out his hand to her. Reyes placed her oversized bag on the club chair and went to him then, grasping his outstretched hand and seating herself opposite him on the edge of the teakwood coffee table. She raised his hand to her lips and kissed it softly, her lips brushing against the roughened skin lightly. Then she lowered it so that his hand was resting on her thigh, but was still clasped in hers. Walter, please talk to me, she pleaded. Tell me what's wrong. Skinner was silent for a moment, as he had one last fierce battle with himself. Then he raised the brandy glass to his lips, took a long swallow, and set the glass aside before he allowed his eyes to meet hers, as he spoke one single word. Mulder. Mulder, Reyes repeated, her eyes reflecting confusion. What about Mulder? I've been having these dreams. Nightmares, actually. About Mulder, Skinner continued. Every night. Almost every time I sleep at all, really. Tell me about them, Reyes urged. At first, the dreams were just memories. Like I was reliving everything that happened, Skinner said quietly, as he allowed his mind to drift back to those dreams and the events. I had dreams about the night of his disappearance in Oregon. The night that I lost him. Then dreams about finding him. His body. I dreamed about telling Scully about his death. About everything that happened. The ID process. The funeral. Everything. Reyes reached for the brandy glass and handed it back to Skinner. He took another long swallow, hoping that it would give him the endurance to continue. When he set the glass aside, Reyes took his other hand so that she was now holding both tightly. There's more, isn't there? She prompted. Skinner took a deep breath and tried to prepare himself to continue. Yes, there's more, Monica. I've had other dreams. Dreams of things that I didn't see, of things that I imagine. 
the things that were done to Mulder before we found him. I see him undergoing unspeakable, unimaginable tortures. Skinner shut his eyes as the images flashed into his mind. Scenes that he had never seen but had played out in his imagination time and time again, starting the night that Fox Mulder had disappeared. Things that never would have happened if I had just done my job and kept him safe. He felt Rhea's hands grip his even more tightly and opened his eyes to see her face filled with tenderness and compassion. Tonight, tonight's dream was worse yet, he whispered. Bodies, bodies everywhere. The bodies of people whose deaths I was responsible for. There were so many, Monica. Some deserved death, yes, but there were others that were innocent. And then there was Mulder, telling me it was all my fault that they were all dead. He paused, fighting for control, but his voice was husky with repressed emotion. Mulder told me it was my fault that he was dead. No, Walter, Reyes said softly, shaking her head. No, it's not your fault. Yes, it is, Monica. Skinner couldn't contain himself anymore, and the words burst out of him, even as he clutched her hands tightly, like a child seeking comfort. It is my fault he's dead. I was supposed to watch out for him that night in Oregon. Scully asked me to go with him and keep him safe. We knew that he was a target and in particular danger, but I didn't protect him. I let myself get distracted and I failed him, as I failed so many others so many times. I failed to protect him, and then I failed to find him in time, even after I promised Scully that I would. Mulder is dead, Scully is alone, and there's a child that is coming into this world that will never know its father. All because I failed. You listen to me, Walter Skinner, Reyes said sharply. It's not your fault that Mulder is dead. I was with you in Montana, remember? No one could have done more or tried harder to find him alive. You gave it everything you had. By then it was too late, Skinner replied bitterly. If I had protected him the way I was supposed to in Oregon. I know you well enough to know that you tried, Reyes countered, her voice warm and comforting. I've also read enough about Fox Mulder to know that once he has an idea or a lead, nothing in heaven or hell was going to stop him from following up. Walter, I wasn't there in Oregon that night, but I'm sure that whatever happened to Mulder, however he was captured, he was willing, maybe even eager to go. That's why he didn't call out to you. Walter, you couldn't protect someone who didn't want to be protected. You don't understand, Skinner began. I do understand, Walter, Reyes replied. You feel that you failed Mulder and Scully, and I can understand that better than you know. I've had those feelings too, on other cases. And on this one, remember, I was there too when we found Mulder's body. I had, John and I had, such hopes that we would find him alive. Find him dead was like a body blow to both of us. You aren't the only one who feels that he failed. Reyes paused for a moment, and when she continued, her voice was soft and gentle. But that isn't all, is it, Walter? What do you mean? Skinner asked her. It seemed to him as if Reyes' eyes were boring right into his soul, seeing and reading every thought and emotion. You miss Mulder, Reyes said quietly. He wasn't just another agent to you, and neither is Scully. You have very strong feelings for both of them, and they are more than just the feelings of a superior for their agents under his command. You care very deeply about both of them, and that is why this has affected you so much. Reyes released his hands so that she could cup his face. 
one hand on either cheek, her touch warm and comforting. Because of your feelings for him, you haven't accepted Mulder's death, Walter. I have accepted his death, Skinner protested. Believe me, I have. I know he's gone. Yes, you know it in your head, Walter, Reyes said gently, but you haven't accepted it in your heart. You haven't let yourself grieve for Mulder. You haven't mourned his loss. It's not my loss, Skinner argued. It's Scully's loss. And I need to be, I have to be strong for her. I have to make it up to her and to their child. Walter, you can't help Scully until you help yourself, Reyes told him. You're having these nightmares because you won't deal with your own feelings of loss. You have to do that. Mulder was a part of your life too. A big part. Reyes rose from the coffee table and seated herself on the couch next to Skinner. She rested her hand lightly on his arm. Please, Walter, you owe this to Mulder, and more important, you owe this to yourself. Let yourself grieve for Mulder. Let yourself go. Skinner sat still for a moment, as the various emotions raged within him, feeling the tears come to his eyes and struggled to control them. He looked away from Reyes, then felt her hand on his face and submitted to her as she pulled his face back around so they were once again eye to eye. Her eyes were wet with unshed tears of her own, and the look on her face was tender and loving. Please, Walter, she whispered. With a low moan, he collapsed into her arms, his head resting on her breast. He felt her arms close tightly, protectively around him, providing a warming, welcoming shelter. He heard her voice whisper, It's okay, Walter. I'm here. Let it go. He gave in to the waves of anguish and grief that overtook him and sobbed in Monica Reyes's arms like a broken-hearted child. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there. <laughs>